as Gina said earlier, this is my favorite Sunday and my least favorite Sunday all at once because we get to um, say goodbye to some of our students who are going to go away to college, and we also have to graduate them out of impact, but it's also a great joy because we get to send them in the world to do everything that we've taught them as a church. And uh, I just want to thank you for uh, just the opportunity I have to serve at this church because you guys pay me to study the Bible, and you pay me to hang out with your students, and I think that's the coolest job in the world. So uh, I just I just want to thank you for that. But uh, a LifeWay uh, research uh, was done. Uh, LifeWay did a research uh, in 2014, and then Pew Research did on the same um, study, and they found that 70% of high school students who went to church regularly uh, ended up not going to church when they went to college. And in that same research, they said that 80% of that 70% said to themselves and to their families that they would find a church when they left. And so the question I have is, why is it that today... Uh, our young adults are having such a hard time uh, believing in the gospel, but yet alone even associating with the gospel. And the question is, is it just uh, our young adults, or is it anyone of every age in any generation is that hard? And I want to make the case that the second is true. And so uh, even though you're not graduating from Impact this morning, I hope that you don't check out and that you read these verses and that they give you a lot of hope. Um, And so let's pray before we dig in together. Father God, thank you so much for our families at this church, and thank you that they uh, raised a generation of students that love you, God, that their first mission was to share the gospel with their children. Uh, what, a, what a great thing to be able to grow up in a church where her parents uh, teach their kids about you and where kids respond to you, God. And so thank you for these students who uh, spoke the gospel to us this morning, and uh, we'll continue to do that, we pray, um, as they go on. But we just pray that you give us um, just a, a great time together as we read your word, and that you would just uh, speak through me, and that you would open our hearts to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So as many of you probably know, Romans is one of the most beloved books in the entire Bible. Uh, Martin Luther said that if you um, that Romans is the chief gospel and um, pretty much described it to be the best book in the Bible. And then another guy named John Calvin said a few years later, he said that if you understand Romans, you're well on your way to understanding the entire Bible. And so they, they loved this book. And actually, um, scholars throughout all of the New Testament history said that they'd study this book their entire lives, and all they found was more and more depth the more they read it. And I found that to be true myself. I've actually only been studying these two verses really... Bless you, Clay. God bless you. You feel better. Good. Um, I've only been studying these two verses for the past couple weeks, but it has been uh, excruciating, but also really rewarding. Um, there's so much depth in these two verses. And, uh, and the, uh, what's in there is just so encouraging with what Paul says. Uh, so uh, we're going to dig in it together. But um, the way he opens the book, he addresses it to uh, the people who are Christians... In Rome, and the way he addresses it is he has this great concern and love and excitement for their faith. And when I read uh, the beginning of Paul's letters, I get really excited because I feel that way about uh, the people in my church, and especially our. I can say that to our seniors that we, um, as a church, we have this great concern for your spiritual lives, and we love you so much. In the same way that Paul describes his affection for other Christians, is the same way we feel about you. And even though you're going to go far away, that doesn't end, and we hope that you you know that. But as Paul opens uh, this letter, uh, it continues to verse 16 and 17. And even though a lot of scholars debate what these things mean, they know that the whole book of Romans, um, how you interpret it, depends on the meaning of verse 16 and 17. And so it's really important to understand what Paul is saying. And so we're going to look really close. So if you turn there again to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, you find in verse 16, it starts with the word for. 
And so I taught the students that if that word is there, it's a conjunction, so it's connecting a verse from before. So we should read verse 15, which says this. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. So if anyone were to be ashamed of the gospel in any city at this time, it should have been Paul in the city of Rome. Because if you know anything about Paul, he actually murdered Jewish Christians. And so for him, he was going to go travel to Rome, and he was eager to do that, to the synagogues and preach the gospel to the Jews. They saw him as a hypocrite. They hated him. And then the city of Rome was totally against God. And they described the Emperor Nero as being uh, someone who uh, indulges in every evil thing. And the people from that time said the city was pretty much the same way. And so if anyone were to be ashamed, it would have been Paul. But yet Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Such a bold statement. Uh, When I was in high school, I had to take a government class. And I don't remember most of it because I was sleeping along with most of the other classmates, and the professor did not even know. The teacher didn't even realize it, but I slept through most of it. But there's one day that I remember very specifically because we had to debate a topic from our own opinion, and the topic was abortion, and the entire class was on this side, and I was the only person that was pro-life on this side. And I remember standing there being very afraid, but I remember why I stood there, and I remember thinking about um, the Declaration of Independence um, which I'm going to forget again, um, which we, do, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by the creator to um, certain unalienable rights, which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I believe those things, and I was fighting for that. But the reason I stood on that side was not just that, but it's because of what I believe about the creator. And I was standing there because of the gospel. And I can tell you that I'm not, I'm not telling this because I want to tell you I always stand up for the gospel because I can tell you way more stories where I shied away but that is, that's the idea. When we stand up for things in this world, are we talking about the gospel? And does the gospel feed it? And I think Paul's making the case that it should. So that brings us to Paul's use of the word gospel here. What does that mean? He uses it twice, right? I'm eager to preach the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And I think that these students, if you were to ask any of the seniors that are graduating, they could give you an answer if you asked them what is the gospel. Uh, a lot of them who went on a mission trip had to memorize how to share the gospel, and then they did a skit that portrays the gospel. But what did Paul mean when he said it here? And uh, I think a lot of times the, we can kind of reform a word and we reshape it, and it's not wrong. But when the people who read this letter heard that word, what they heard was good news. Folks, I tell you this morning what Paul had to share is good news. And that word encompasses so much more than, than just what we can portray here. It starts in Genesis chapter 1 when it says, In the beginning, God created man, man fell, and God would not give up on his people. And it goes all the way to Revelation 22 when at the end times, God is going to be on the throne and there's going to be nothing more accursed in the world and every believing person will worship him for eternity. That's good news. And Paul was not ashamed to share that in the worst part. And in fact, he said he was eager to share that good news. So I believe in the world that we live in today, it is really hard to stand up for that truth. And I believe that the world in which your kids are going to live in is going to be even harder, and it only gets worse. But if Paul, who was the minority, was willing to stand up against the majority, shouldn't we? So how about you? Is there an area of your life where you feel ashamed to share the gospel? Maybe at home with your family, maybe at school, maybe at work, 
maybe when you go to college, maybe at college. And I want to offer this to you. Paul gives out three reasons why he's not ashamed. And I want to explain through those, but I want you to be just as eager as Paul is to share the gospel wherever you are. We have to be quick. So reason number one, the good news is God's power for salvation for anyone who believes. The good news is God's power. The good news is God's power. Does that sink in for you? When we think about God being powerful, we can think about nature, right? The psalmist loved to talk about how God is powerful by how they see him in nature. And I was reading this morning that all telescopes around, from all scientists all over the world are looking at one star right now because they're so confused by what it's doing. And yet what I thought about is God is so powerful that he doesn't only know what's happening with that star, but he's in complete control of it. He's in power of all the big things you can think of in nature. And at the same time, he knows every piece of particle of dust in this room how it's floating around, and he doesn't even know about it. He's in control of what it's doing. That's crazy. God is so powerful. And then we also know things about God's power because of how we read um, history in the Bible, right? God is so powerful that he made a woman who was 90 years old and was barren her entire life have a baby. It's the same God who made fire fall from the sky uh, and to, to prove to other prophets that he, he's the true God. It's the God who made someone who was dead for three days, not just sleeping, dead, decaying body, come back to life. That God with all that power brought all that power into one single focus right here. What was it? Salvation. God's power is for salvation, and it is for you. And it's not just about one person's conversion, although that's a part of it. It's about God's power to bring all believing things back to himself to restore the creation that was lost. That's worth sharing. So what we have as believers is God's power to share with other people. In the late 90s, a group from our church went to Albania, and I think some of you in this room went on that trip, uh, and the trip actually kind of changed because of a war, and it was going to be really dangerous. And so they ended up still going uh, because they wanted to share the gospel in, in this city, and uh, what, they, what they ended up doing was bringing in refugees uh, from this country where there was a war, and I got to read one of the person's journals that went on that trip, and it was a really cool experience for me to do that. And the way they described the people that were coming in was that they, were, um, they had ripped clothes, and they were bloody, and they looked like ghosts because they lost their family. They didn't know what they were doing and they walked from their country into Albania looking for refuge. And this person talked about how uh, they didn't know how to share the gospel with these people because one, they're Muslims and, and two, they lost everything. What did this person have to offer? And what this person realized was that when they started to um, share the gospel and when they were, um, gave Bibles to these people, the people not only took the Bibles, very excited, they didn't only listen but people converted. And even the translator that they were using converted and became a Christian. And so the point of that is that we do not have the power or the knowledge that God has to who's going to listen to you. Paul says to the Jew and also to the Greek, meaning there is no discrimination. We are supposed to share the gospel, which is God's power, to anyone who will listen, even people who won't. Reason number two, the good news is God's revelation of his righteousness. So if the Impact students, anyone who graduates from Impact with me as their youth pastor will know one thing at least about what word not to add an S to in the Bible, and that is? 
No. Ryan did that last service too. You're not graduating. You're going to help back. <laughs> no, what word is it? Revelations. It's not the book of Revelations. It's the book of Revelation because there's one revelation and his name is Jesus Christ. And Paul uses the same word here. It's the revelation of the righteousness of God. Righteousness of God and that is Jesus Christ. There's this church father who wrote this, and I think he sums this up really well. He says, it is the righteousness of God that is revealed here, not yours, but God's, a righteousness both abundant and easily accessible. For you do not receive it by toils and labors, but you receive it by a gift from above, contributing one thing from yourself, namely believing. The good news, the revelation given here, is that people do not have to work for salvation They don't have to be righteous to get to heaven. God gave his righteousness to you. That's good news. God gave us the righteousness that he demanded from us. That's worth proclaiming. Reason three, the good news is what we live, the good news is that we live in faith because of his faithfulness to us. We're talking about verse 17 here, which says for faith, from, from faith, for faith. And it's a little bit confusing. And so is God's righteousness given to us because of God's faithfulness to us, or is it because of our faith in God? And I want to say that this passage says both of those things. All right? So Paul starts this letter with saying that this good news was actually preached by the prophets. And then he quotes a prophet here to prove his point. And he quotes Habakkuk 2. And if you go there and you read it, it says that the righteous shall live by his faith to us. So God did not abandon his people. He was seeking them out. So God did not just put righteousness into you because you believed. He was faithful in seeking you out to give you that faith. And if you don't know what God's faith does in a person's life, if you've not experienced that before, let me tell you what, it is the greatest joy that anyone could ever give you. We have full access to God's joy. The book of James says that even among the worst trials that we could ever face, you can have joy as a believer. And I think that's amazing. I believe that to be true. And that's because God has given me that faith. And I want to offer that to you too. He gives that to you. And so what it says is that with this faithfulness from God, he gives you life. And so that means eternal life, but it doesn't just mean eternal life. So a lot of people will say, well, as long as I live as a Christian and, and you know, one day I'll, I'll live again, I'm just going to look forward to after death and I can't wait to be there. But what they're missing is that God gives you life here and now full access to God and full access to his joy and we are to share it here and that's our purpose given a new heart and new purpose and new life don't be ashamed of that the third reason is that we walk around and there are dead people walking and you have life why can't you give it to them don't be ashamed to give them life so that's it those are the three reasons Paul gives and that's my case for you too and so when you go into the world you will be pushed to make that not true. You will be told that that's not true. Don't share that. Be ashamed of it. And yet God, and yet Paul says, don't be ashamed of that. I am not ashamed and I'm eager to share. And so I want to say to our seniors, don't be that 70% that walks away from the church. Because the church is the gift that God gives you to make you eager to share. And if you walk away from the church, you're walking away from God's gift to make you do that and to make you love him more. And I want to just encourage everyone, don't be the minority that becomes the majority because of fear and persecution. Because the church plus you plus God is the majority. Let's pray.
So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for uh, the chance to be able to worship you together this morning, and we thank you that we um, know this gospel and that we can proclaim it, God. And I pray for anyone in this room who does not believe this gospel, that you would soften their hearts to, um, to hear your word and what it says about it, and that they would realize that it is the greatest gift from you, that anything in this world um, doesn't even compare to the greatness of what your gift and your son has done for us, God. And so I pray that as these students graduate and they, and they head out, that they would never be ashamed of sharing the gospel and that it would be their greatest joy and that as they find a church and they connect with it or even continue to be at our church, that they would declare your name to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.